Chapter Sixteen of From Different Standpoints by Pansy and Fay Huntington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. Life at the Harrison Mansion was strange and exciting and bewildering during the next few weeks. The coming of the uninvited guest who had established himself in the household during the absence of the son and daughter changed all plans and regulations and made strange havoc with the petty quarrels that had been going on eunice taylor in her pity and sympathy for perry forgot that she was angry with him that they were to be as strangers and went forward with her quick kind words of strength almost as soon as he arrived settling down upon the early terror and bustle followed a night of anxious watching that weariest kind of watching in which the anxious hearts can do nothing but watch and wait eunice had not had any plans for the night but they were promptly made for her by dr webb stay with her to-night won't you miss eunice i shall send mrs bacon here and she is a good enough nurse and the family will be here of course but yet i think it would be better for you not to leave her of course eunice said she would stay then mrs perry promptly spoke her mind well then perry do come the arrangements for the night are all made and i am sure you can do no good standing around in the way i am almost tired to death una can call you if there is any change but there will not be i have seen such cases before come before it gets any later it is after midnight now eunice felt that she could have quailed before the blaze of perry's eyes had they been directed to her just then but his voice was quiet enough i shall stay with my mother to-night of course she was not subdued instead she was angry oh if you choose to make it as uncomfortable for me as you can of course there is no one to prevent it but one would think you might have a little consideration for your wife especially when you can do no good my nerves are not made of cast iron his only answer was to take a lamp from the table direct molly who was passing through to take it to mrs harrison's room and then say good-night eleanor then he proceeded to wheeling an easy-chair to his mother's bedside and making una as comfortable as he could i don't suppose there is any necessity for this he said looking anxiously at her and i'm afraid it is too much to ask of you but you don't know what an unspeakable comfort it is to have you beside her it seems the place for a woman and a woman who loves her never mind me said una briefly i am used to night watching i served an apprenticeship when father was sick you know how soon do you suppose mr mason can reach here that was the beginning of their night vigils together dr mason came the next day and was doubtful anxious non-committal would come down again in a day or two and try to give a definite opinion it might be a rapid case and she might rally and live for weeks and months even years some cases did it was impossible to tell and then he went away and left them again in their consuming anxiety meantime eunice was a tower of strength her apprenticeship in her father's sick-room and in aunt ruth's house in new york and in her mother's kitchen had served her well there was nothing that she could not direct about from the best way of preparing the bed to the best way of making beef tea and gruel and she did not dare to go away even for an hour not because perry wanted her as he evidently did 
not because the cook and the chambermaid hung round her surreptitiously asking for directions but because of a pair of eager eyes that recognized her and followed her wherever she moved and unmistakably spoke for the poor mute lips a pleading that she would stay you have always seemed to me like my child she had said to her in a tender yearning tone only a few days before and eunice thinking of it flushed to her very temples and stayed dr mason came again then gave forth his decree she would live he thought through the summer possibly much longer she would he hoped was quite confident indeed recover speech to a degree but motion and then he paused and shook his head poor perry this was almost worse than death and yet he accepted it as a reprieve and clung to her and smiled fondly over her and whispered tender words in her poor dulled ear and one sentence was would she like to have una stay with her all the time and the drawn mouth had tried to work itself into speech and had managed in a strange uncouth way but in a way that was perfectly intelligible to him to signify that she would rather have her than any one else on earth he did not know how fond had been the mother's hope that this would be her daughter it was well he did not these were hard days for him he needed all his christian courage to sustain him had satan entered into the beautiful eleanor that she stung so in every direction she called the house an apothecary's shop said it smelled of all the herbs that ever grew and that every dish in the house savoured of gruel or beef tea and that people of refinement had a way of managing sickness so that the whole house wasn't redolent of it and perry bit his lip and gnawed his moustache and held his peace keeping the utmost outward control over himself showing by neither words nor tones that he was hurt to the core meantime when he was not present and when on rare occasions una was away from the sick-room long enough to be talked with she had to bear the stings herself and having neither love nor christian principle to sustain her she did not bear them very well pride in herself and pity for perry were the two controlling motives that kept her from absolute outbreak what unbounded devotion she said to her one morning the sarcastic smile that was so very hard to bear curving her upper lip it is almost a pity that it is not your own mother and yet i don't know that you could improve the picture even then and of course it wouldn't be as romantic nor exciting on the whole i believe it is better as it is mrs harrison said una and her voice in its coldness startled even herself but she spoke in the slow unimpassioned tones that in natures like hers mean the white heat of anger i have borne a great deal from you because this is a time of affliction and a house of mourning and one who has been like a second mother to me all my life has no daughter of her own and is dependent on me but i warn you that i have borne all that i will if you say to me again anything like what you have just been hinting i will appeal to your husband for protection and tell him what his wife thinks of him now mrs harrison was angry more angry than she had ever been with eunice taylor before and that was saying a great deal if she had not lost all self-control for a moment she would not have said what she did tell him she said tell him certainly don't think to dare me by any childish spitefulness like that 
perhaps since you are resolved on so dainty a bit of work i may as well give you something to tell i despise you both for a couple of weak-brained idiots you are just suited to each other and you should have married each other there is that in perry harrison which requires coddling and mustard plasters and you have the element which is needed i haven't i shall never develop into a model wife as you would have done it is a great pity in a novel now nothing would be easier than for you to give me a dose of poison and clear the way or you might elope with my husband that would be more tragic in some views and less common than the other but i am not afraid of your doing either perry wouldn't think it right to elope and he would never forgive you for murder because it's wicked so my little cat you can't scratch very hard and really i'm sorry for you i think myself it is a stupid sort of life during this half insane harangue eunice had stood as if rooted to the spot what could she say or do where fly to be where she need never hear this hateful tongue again the sudden and violent slamming to of the library door startled them both who was in the library mrs harrison laughed shouldn't i have made a good actress she said coolly i think i should have liked the profession in fact i was tempted in that direction once i declare i cheated you perfectly didn't i and she laughed again but eunice was not cheated she knew that this was acting and that the other had been genuine people in high states of rage and people too without christian principle to help them can control the outward manifestation of it that is if they have been trained to self-control it is a matter of education eunice had been trained to it from babyhood she took up her glass of jelly and passed down the hall precisely as if nothing had occurred and she went through with the routine of that day as usual many times though wondering who it could have been that slammed the library door and whereunto this would grow she had lost all desire to shield perry from a knowledge of his wife's character she had just enough principle left to be sure that she would not voluntarily go to him with a story of outrage and insult she was sorry five minutes after she sent him that first note which had been so entirely ignored by him that she ever sent it at all there was no danger of her descending to that level of attack again but if he had heard and should question her and it should all come out she would take no pains to spare him the knowledge of the character of the woman who was his wife she had no business to be his wife it was a great moral wrong she did violence to his nature to his sense of duty and to his highest convictions of life every hour that she breathed he ought to know it he ought to know what a fool he had been she hoped he did feel it to his very soul and as for making an effort to blind him as she had lamely tried to do all the time she would from this time forth speak to his wife exactly as she deserved to be addressed she would not play the blindfolded idiot between them any longer these are just a few of the wild thoughts that rushed through her brain that night as she sat alone watching beside his mother the nurse was resting eleanor was in the parlor from whence there echoed the faint sound of the piano perry was with her doubtless una hadn't seen him that day she wished at that moment that he would come in his mother was in one of her heavy sleeps from which ordinary talking did not waken her 
if he overheard any of that talk this morning and would question her she would not spare him not she he deserved the knowledge of his folly while she thought it over he came in softly without speaking he came over to the bedside and looked at his mother he was accustomed since her illness to having prayers at her bedside sometimes she was awake and heard sometimes she slept usually eleanor was with them to-night she was not perry did not look at una did not in any way recognize her presence he knelt beside his mother and clasped her hand in his and then he prayed what a prayer it was years and years afterward una's nerves shook when she thought of that night and that prayer intense solemn tender high-toned not as of one who was in the depths of despair and yet as one on whom a knowledge had fallen such as he had never before possessed it might almost have been called a prayer of self-renunciation of consecration as from one who gave up himself and his plans and his hopes and his happiness then and there from that time forth and in doing it had gone higher and closer to the heart of god than he had ever dared to reach before and so found that which the world not only could not give but could not take away eunice had sat erect with cold eyes and hardened heart when he commenced but before the service was concluded she had slipped on her knees and whether she prayed or not she shed abundant tears rising at last he bent over his mother who had roused some time before he spoke tender words to her low-toned and sweet as one would speak to a sick child then stooping he kissed her soft clinging lingering kisses like a benediction almost and turned away stopping beside eunice for just an instant he held out his hand she glancing up into his pale face an instant dropped her eyes there was in the clear solemn depths of his earnest gaze that which shamed and awed her he had struggled and suffered those two traces she could see but he had also gone up beyond where she had any knowledge he did not speak a word but there was a bit of twisted paper in her hand when he went away what was it she hardly felt that she dared open it it almost seemed to her as if he might have seen her wild wicked thoughts and sternly rebuked them she could not look at it now the mother wanted her she bent over her and received the sweet trusting smile and set about the tender little ministrations for her comfort and waited until in the silence and hush of the sitting-room where she had planned to pass the night because the sick one so often wakened and was restless and unable to fall asleep without her then she took from her bosom that crumpled bit of paper and read it this was it dost thou take this woman eleanor before god and these witnesses to be thy wife dost thou promise to love her honor her defend her sustain and cherish her in joy and in sorrow in health and in sickness in prosperity and adversity wilt thou be faithful to her in all things and never forsake her so long as ye both do live i will this was all not a line or word else of explanation or comment following that prayer it had a strange effect on eunice those simple solemn vows written out by a hand she knew so well it was like calling on her to be a witness to a sacrament to take oath with him as to its solemnity and sacredness 
all her rage died out all her bitterness of feeling against him for she knew now that the feelings had been bitter straightway she went back with tenfold strength and power to her resolution made when he brought home a bride nor that either she realized fully that she couldn't shield him blind his eyes nothing of that now they were very wide open eyes but she could keep with him those solemn vows at least she could do it outwardly she would show his wife all respect and deference she would be she would try to be and there her exaltation broke down and she cried bitter tears born of youthful folly and of playing with edged tools it transpired very soon after that perry was full of plans he had consulted with dr mason he had learned that new york and the constant attendance of that gentleman might help his mother he had planned with eunice's father and mother and with eunice that she and his mother should go to new york to aunt ruth's and board that the payment for eunice's services should be in actual hard dollars a regular salary sufficient to make her life far above the one of grinding poverty that it had been hitherto but what paid eunice or what kept her meek under the infliction of that brief business-like talk with money for its basis was the memory of that prayer and that slip of paper which she kept and also a certain curious little tremble of the upper lip as he said she can do without her son eunice better than she can do without you and eunice knew it was true so long as her son must also mean her son's wife so at home in her little room packing for new york at midnight one night she paused long enough to write in her journal this testimony oh there are christians and perry harrison is a christian and eunice taylor is not End of chapter sixteen